you. Um, hey, we have a gift for everyone this morning. They're being passed out right now. Um, it's a clown nose. Um, we should have enough for every person, so take one and <laughs> pass them back. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little contest. Um, I'm going to tell some dad jokes in honor of Father's Day. And um, we'll see who can go the longest without laughing. If you laugh, put on the nose. And you can just give up and put it on now if you want. It goes over your mask. I tested them all. I mean, I tested all my masks. Sorry. (laughs) By the way, this morning I invented a new word, plagiarism. Seriously? Like four people. Okay, this is going to be hard. If seagulls fly over a bay, are they bagels? The other day I was watching a frisbee get bigger and bigger, and then it hit me. You know what really makes my day? The rotation of the earth. What's the difference between a good joke and a bad joke? Timing. You can put the nose on if you're laughing. Go, okay, we're not. Uh, I was going to tell you a time-traveling joke, but y'all didn't like it. So, Okay, so that was it. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> oh, the courtesy laughs, the courtesy applause that warms my heart. Thank you. Um, now, it feels pretty normal to joke around here at Sanctuary. Um, You know, for those of us who are familiar with this place, you know, this feels pretty normal. But I I recognize that there are a lot of traditions in Christianity where laughter and joking and humor may have a place, but Christianity is really about serious things. So as long as the humor doesn't get in the way of that, you know, it's okay. But the serious business of Christianity is about addressing issues like salvation and sin and judgment and justice So while humor might have a place, we got to be serious about what is serious. Certainly that's true in some degree, but I want to suggest this morning that humor and laughter are essential components of faith. And that is because joy is an essential component of our faith. Our God is a God of joy, a God of laughter and humor. And I want to celebrate that a little bit this morning. Uh, There was a published book uh, in 2020 called Humor Seriously. I can think of no better title for 2020. Um, (laughs) Two researchers, Aker and Begdonis, they share how humor affects different aspects of life. And they share a shocking statistic. Um, By the way, when God is shocked, does God say, oh, myself? Here's the stat. The average four-year-old laughs 300 times per day, but the average 40-year-old just five times per day. So the researchers say that at some point in life, many of us reach what they call the humor cliff. And it's not funny because we go over the cliff and the number of times that we laugh dramatically reduces. It can happen at different points, but whatever it is, we reach what we think of as the serious business of life, and we forget about laughter and levity 
and playfulness. One of the researchers works with undergraduate students, and she asked them to keep a laughter journal. And she tells some stories about this, but they literally would be asked to keep a journal of every time you laugh during the day. Some of her students would have entire days with no laughter at all. And they were shocked to discover this about their own lives. Now, the researchers share several of the benefits about laughter. Um, so I won't go through these in detail, but you can see health, relationships, productivity, and communication, telling the truth. You know, it's been observed that the court jester is one of the only people that can tell the king the truth. Because when you use humor, you can access things and speak in ways that are more effective that you may not otherwise be able to say. All right, so, um, you know, what do we do with this? I, I, I hope and expect that faith can help us avoid the humor cliff or address it in some ways where we can recover a sense of joy, of laughter, of playfulness. I'm going to turn to a passage now from the Bible uh, that shows how this might happen, how we can be helped by faith. Um, unfortunately, there are no dad jokes in the Bible. One of its shortcomings, I know. Um, there are, by the way, a couple stories where God behaves a lot like Loki. Um, the God of mischief and chaos. Uh, popularized by Marvel. And we're not going to read those stories this morning, actually, but those will be up for another time. I love those stories. Um, instead, we're going to look at another passage that talks about finding joy and laughter, especially when life is hard and full of suffering. And so we're going to see what wisdom we might gain from the Bible about finding joy and laughter in the midst of hard things. All right, the passage is Psalm 126. It's a song, and it's one of my favorites. It goes like this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. It was said among the nations, God has done great things for them. God has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Ugh. This is the first half of the psalm, and you can hear the joy. You know, our mouths are full of laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. God has done great things, and we rejoice. And that sounds pretty straightforward, but there's a phrase that hints at a lot more going on under the surface. And that phrase is, restoring the fortunes of Zion. And that phrase needs a lot of unpacking. It's used throughout the Bible, dozens of times in the Bible. And I want to talk about what it means. So first, it means that God is a restorer. God takes things that need restoration. God takes things that are broken, that are run down, that are emptied, and restores them, making them whole. God takes people who are run down and emptied and broken. And God restores people and makes them whole. God is a restorer. The assumption here, though, is that life is hard and full of suffering. That's why restoration is necessary. You know, and this is, of course, true with the really hard moments that come our way in life. When we hit that illness when we receive the news of the death of a loved one, a family member, a friend, 
the loss of a job, the, the events that upend our lives. We need restoration. But it's also true of the daily mundane stuff of life, the hard stuff, paying bills, endless piles of laundry, parenting, relating to parents. Right, kids? Hard stuff. Number three, this happens on a cyclical or seasonal time scale. You know, there are times when life is good and abundant and secure, and there are times when it is not. And it's those times when we need restoration. And the Bible uh, demonstrates this pattern again and again, both on an individual level and also collectively or communally. A whole people could be seeking God's restoration. Part of what we celebrate in Juneteenth, by the way. So, yay, Juneteenth. And finally, the result of God's restoration is joy and laughter. I don't know if you thought about it much, but um, there are a lot of feelings that can produce laughter in human beings. You know, certainly joy is one of them. Like, that might be the main thing. But we can experience uh, laughter when we are relieved. You know, like, when you get off a roller coaster that you thought was easy, but it wasn't. And you're so relieved, you start laughing. Um, or you find yourself narrowly avoiding an accident while driving, and then you just bust into laughter. Maybe it's just me. Um, <laughs> Um, once I, uh, I was astounded, I surprised myself once, a few years ago, my family and I, we visited the Grand Canyon, and I saw it, and I just started cracking up uncontrolled. I could not contain my laughter. It was like the ridiculous magnitude of it all. It looked like a painting. I was like, this is a joke. This can't be real. It was like the awe and wonder just short-circuited my brain, and I started laughing. Well, I think that the feelings that accompany God's restoration are joy and relief and awe and wonder. And all of those feelings bubble up into laughter. Okay, the second half of the psalm. Here we go. It picks up some of the same themes, but it begins with a prayer. A prayer for restoration. Here it is. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. So really quickly, the Negev region, it's a semi-arid region of the ancient Near East that experiences seasonal rains. So most of the year, it's very, very dry, and then seasonal rains sweep in. The streams fill with water. The water goes over the land, and everything springs to life in this lush, verdant valley. So this lovely picture of God's restoration sweeping in to the dryness and bringing life. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. All right, in this part of the song, there's a major contrast between life's extremes. We have weeping and we have shouts of joy. And it's framed by this agricultural metaphor of sowing seeds while weeping and then carrying home the harvest with laughter and shouts of joy. Now, this is a powerful metaphor, I think, because it combines two things, human effort and grace. So on the one hand, humans impact the world in real ways. We have responsibility. We have agency. 
and we can use our resources and ingenuity and effort to sow seeds, you know, literally in the ground. It's great. I sow one cucumber seed, I get dozens of cucumbers. Pretty great deal. We can also do this, obviously, metaphorically. We do good in the world. We enact justice. We protect the vulnerable. We look out for one another. And we sow those seeds, hoping for a harvest of good things to come. On the other hand, though, there's grace because we cannot control the outcomes. Sometimes I get dozens of cucumbers. Sometimes I don't. The rabbits eat them or whatever comes. The deer. The deer ate all my strawberries this year. It's horrible. I know. That's not grace. Or maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) Perplexing. But this metaphor, the, the psalm pulls on this metaphor, this tension of human effort that we sow seeds, but we don't know the results. We don't know what will happen in the harvest. We hope, and as we hope, we are active and engaged. We sow into the world. And we do so even when we are weeping. This psalm shows us that when we are in a place of hardship and challenge and suffering, we are invited to lean into the hope of restoration. And we do so by sowing. We sow seeds indiscriminately, expecting and hoping for good things and good returns when they come our way. You can probably hear just how much this relates to, you know, this last year of the pandemic, right? When we're all experiencing hard things. And if there are times of weeping, we probably all went through some of those. I remember one moment at the start of uh, school, the school year last fall, um, everything was on Zoom. I have two junior high boys at home who were doing Zoom school right, right away. And one of them was unthrilled about Zoom school. And uh, not enjoying it at all. And we're like week two <laughs> of Zoom school. And so one morning, um, I, you know, he's eating breakfast, and I can see him just kind of shoveling on his plate his eggs and toast, which might have been because he ate a whole bag of hot Cheetos the night before, but maybe it was otherwise. I don't know. Um, hard to tell with teenagers. And um, so, you know, but I can see he just seems pretty dispirited. And so I try to give him a little pep talk and encouragement. Like, you can do it, buddy. I could tell my words are just falling flat, though. Just like, he's not holding on much hope. He went back to his room, and my eyes just filled with tears. You know, because I'm sitting there just watching my teenager suffer. You know, it was real. A little later, I'd composed myself. I went into his room, and I see his computer screen is just like all blank, all dark. And I can't see the teacher, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And I look closely, and he's like, oh, we're in breakout rooms. And all the kids know where this is going. And I'm like, oh, a breakout room? What's that? He's like, oh, it's like a small group. And so I look on his screen, and there are five screens that are all black except the students' names, because no one has their camera on. And no one is saying a word, because no one wants to talk or look dumb and saying something. (laughs) So the teacher has placed them all into discussion breakout groups, and no one is saying a thing. It's black (laughs) screens. I start howling with laughter, and we have this great moment of levity. Um, it didn't actually get much better, though. Like, Zoom school was very, very hard for one of my junior high students. 
And I know I'm talking about the hardships of Zoom, right? And obviously we could reflect on the very consequential things that we went through this past year. But it's real. But this psalm, this psalm is holding out an invitation and a promise, a promise of God's restoration to come. God is a restorer. And when we are experiencing times of suffering, when we are weeping, it is ours to sow, to lean into that which we know or expect will generate life. Sometimes we don't have the strength internally by ourselves, and that's what we need each other for. We're holding on to each other. We're carrying each other with us and sowing the good stuff in the world, waiting and hoping and expecting God's restoration to come. We don't know when. We don't know how. That's grace. We leave it to God. Ours is to sow. This is the hope. Amen. All right, I want to take a moment to just bring whatever it is we're encountering at this time, in this season of life, bring it before God in prayer. So if you're experiencing a time of laughter and joy, fantastic. We're going to take a moment to praise God and give thanks. If you're experiencing a time of real hardship, trial, then we can bring that to God too and see what God has to say in the midst of it. So please join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, come. God, we hear the promise of this psalm that you are a restorer, that you bring us to times of restoration. So wherever we are at now, God, help us to name any places where we need restoration, where we need you, O oh God. For all the ways that we are now finding joy and laughter, oh God, we give you thanks. For the places where we find ourselves weeping, help us to sow seeds of hope. And we call on you, God, restore our fortunes, O oh Lord. Restore our fortunes.